Fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time. Even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Friday. You finally made it to the end of the week. Pat yourself on the back, baby. You're here, and we're ready to rock and roll. Great to have you along for the ride today, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, plus TV, live streaming, and podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride, and I have no clue how we're again going to cram so much great content and shenanigans and malarkey, as Joe Biden likes to say, into a show like we do here each and every day. Welcome into a bottom of the hour. We have Jeff Elston. He is with America's Policy Institute. We'll talk about the debate. We'll talk about Trump's meeting with Tucker Carlson, and I have not looked today to see exactly how many hits that has. Uh, As of yesterday, when we got off the air, it was sitting right around 237 million views. And the other said, well, no one pays attention to Trump anymore. Okay, well, that's interesting. Then we have, of course, the mugshot that already is causing havoc, and the memes that are floating around. We'll have some fun talk about that here in a little bit as well. So we have a lot to jump into, and I don't want to waste any time as we get into our latest and what's trending of the day. What's trending today? Right out of the gate, which I'm happy to have this next guest on the program to break down what we've seen and going into election season. And are we on track to try and get back to, oh, I don't know, the Constitution? As we talk about conservative principles on this program with our three pillars of conservatism, the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to private property. And half the time, the Republican Party itself doesn't hold up to those values, and it seems to be a civil war that we see within our own party. While the Democrats continue to move towards a more centralized, socialist, utopian mentality, conservatives are having that civil war right now, and many have just left the party altogether. And they've gone to independent. They've gone to unaffiliated. They've gone to third parties like the Constitution Party or even the Libertarian Party which I'm happy to have on the program. She's the chairwoman for the Libertarian National Party to break down the latest and greatest of what's going on nationwide. It's Angela McArdle on the line with us here. Angela, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on. It is a wild time, and it's unfortunate because while we fight a quote-unquote two-party system in the nation, it seems like right now there are many, and it was a prime example of that even in the debate stage a couple nights ago with some of those Republican candidates that – we have a uniparty that many like to talk about that promote big government policies no matter what side of the aisle you're on. Absolutely. It's it's kind of surprising to hear major Republican contenders paying lip service to things like the war in Ukraine and, and big spending. I would think that if they were going to play to their own home base, they'd be pushing back against those policies. But it, but it shows me that, you know, their base is, is Wall Street and the deep state and career politicians. It's not the American people. Yeah. Right now, Donald Trump right now still has a massive lead within the Republican ranks and registered voters of near 75 percent among Republicans. Setting him aside since he wasn't at that debate uh, this week, your thoughts on who actually won and who did the best in that debate? Right now, I think everybody's talking about Vivek Ramaswamy, who really shook up the field and did, I think, a, a great job almost pulling 
a Trump card by poking the bear and trying to get people riled up, which he did oh so well. But from your thoughts when it came to actual substance, policy, and ideas, did someone stand out above the rest, do you think? I actually, I do agree. I think Vivek Ramaswamy was the one who stood stood out more than anyone else. Uh, he was right about the Ukraine war. He was really aggressive in his rhetoric about not supporting that war, de- abolishing the Department of Education, and also abolishing the regulatory state, which is something that really, it's, it's a really powerful cudgel that's wielded against uh, a lot of American industry, and it's something that doesn't get nearly enough attention, in my opinion. I'm right there with you. It was heartwarming when I actually heard him say we need to abolish the Department of Education. We need to trim down the IRS dramatically. We need to bring power back down to the statewide level. Most people, most candidates and most politicians especially are afraid to say something like that, even though Mm -hmm. a large portion of the country agrees with that kind of sentiment, don't they? They absolutely do. For people in the the heartland, I think a lot of people here, they're, they're interested in things, you know, like what is... What jobs can I have? What about the future for my children? Are green energy uh, plans going to just, you know, crush coal and oil? Is it going to make it expensive to put groceries on the table? Are my children going to be able to drive cars? You know, can we can we get basic things like farm to slaughter legislation passed? And, and that's the sort of stuff that the regulatory state just makes impossible. And I think Vivek really gets that. And he also makes it more interesting to talk about. And, and certainly the Department of Education, I mean, that's always a contentious debate. It really remains to be seen, though, if someone who is going to be bold and talk about abolishing it, can they really follow through? Yeah, that is true. You had mentioned some of the foreign policy statements that he had made uh, earlier. Is that, do you think, a new maybe generational difference in the political landscape from what we saw from someone like a Chris Christie, someone like a Mike Pence, someone like a Nikki Haley, who they grew up, and that's what we've heard for so long of what the Republican Party used to stand for under, let's say, the Bush regime of being involved in foreign diplomacy and being involved militarily in other places like that, as opposed to, I'm 34, I'm part of that millennial generation, the new the millennials that are like, hey, I don't want anything to do with that. I want to get away from that mindset. And Vivek came out and said, no, we need to invest that money from what we're doing from the Ukraine, and we could fix a lot of issues here on the home front. Is that just a new Republican phase, do you think, or that is that a generational difference in politics? I think it's a number of things. I think it's generational. I think it's also the fact that he is a political outsider. He mentioned he has only voted in two presidential elections prior. And I think he's also entrepreneurial, and, and he's not in a state operative. He he wants to see people thrive and, and flourish, and he's less concerned with, you know, wheeling and dealing with countries in, in Europe and, and trying to enact things like regime change. Like, he's just not interested in that. He's interested in economic progress. Yeah, that is true. We're talking with Angela McArdle. She's the chairwoman for the Libertarian National Party. I have to get your take on, let's shift away from the debate and talk about Donald Trump for a minute. His sit-down with uh, the Tweety and Tucker Carlson on X or Twitter or whatever the heck you want to call it now. But 240 million views as of yesterday. We'll see what the numbers look like throughout the day today. From a libertarian's perspective, and I have a lot of conservative libertarian views myself, but from a libertarian party perspective, what is the view? What is the opinion of Donald Trump? Is he uh, the anti-establishment shaking up the system that's a good thing, or is he... Uh, still going down the same road, spending more money than what we should be kind of mindset. What, I mean, what's the overall view of someone like Donald Trump? 
libertarians gen- generally tend to think that he's a mixed bag. We're really glad that he is clearly an anti-establishment candidate. I think that it's unfortunate that in his his last term he wrapped himself with with deep state operatives and people who did not represent his best interests. And I think that's probably part of what got him into so much trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he gets elected again, I hope that he gets more liberty-minded individuals around him, especially on things like foreign policy. You know, he's he's a mixed bag, but what's happening to him is, is absolutely wrong. And, you know, arresting and jailing political opponents is really just further evidence of the disintegration of what we view as like the great American experiment. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, talk about the Libertarian Party for a minute. I know you guys have uh, a lot of candidates that you'll be announcing as the year goes on, obviously going into the election next year for 2024. But uh, and I love talking about this conversation uh, because I'm always intrigued by it. But talk about the challenges as a third party, which really the biggest third party in the nation, which is the Libertarian Party. The challenges is running as a third party because there are a lot of people that believe that the libertarian or any independent, any third party candidate that's out there doesn't necessarily help the race, but pull away and pull numbers away from a candidate that is has a better chance of winning. Is that true? And are you seeing ranks of people stepping away from the two party system and going into a third party like the libertarians? I mean, I would shoot back that I think it's just an absolute travesty, you know, that Democrats and Republicans steal our votes every election. <laughs> there's there's multiple ways to look at it, right? Uh, people are stepping away from two-party politics because they feel so disenfranchised. People like Vivek Ramaswamy might be exciting, but when you see Mike Pence and Nikki Haley get up there and talk about sending our money overseas and getting us entangled in these complicated international alliances. It sounds like they're running for global dictator, not mm-hmm. president of the United States. And, and that's why people just, you know, wash their hands of it or, or they might just passively resign themselves to stay home. Um, so we have, you know, in some ways we have an uphill battle because we have to wrestle with things like ballot access in certain states, but in other areas, it's, it's really an exciting opportunity for us because we don't carry the same baggage. Yeah, that is very true. Are, are you seeing more excitement, especially from the younger generation, that uh, people that are party are sick of just the two-party system, I'm done with it, I want out. Uh, are younger generations, are younger crowds predominantly the ones that are coming to someone like the Libertarian Party? We have a mix. I, I would say that we get a lot of Gen Z and a lot of millennials, but you'd also be surprised how many people who are who are boomers and Older individuals just say, finally, they're fed up. You never know what it takes. Sometimes it's just, you know, disillusionment. Uh, you know, they finally uh, have the, the spell broken if they're Biden supporters, or they're just fatigued by the constant drama that, that plagues Donald Trump, and, and they just decide that they're interested in something else. Yeah. Um, it's you, you never know what what will drive someone to, to vote libertarian. To walk away, yeah. When they do come to that side, is there a trend of what political aisle they originally came from? Is it a Democrat who uh, is just tired of, the, the, may like the social aspect of the Democrat Party, right. but has walked away from the big centralized power? Or is it the Republican who doesn't feel like the Republican Party is really holding on to the limited government values that they try to uphold? So traditionally, we skew ex-Republican. However, in in the recent past, I'd say since 2014 or so, we have gotten a lot more pro-free speech, anti-lockdown Democrats. There are people who were maybe, they considered themselves left of center and felt essentially cast out of their political party. They've lost family members. Um, they've lost friends over just espousing wrong think. 
And those people have really warmed up to the Libertarian Party because they realize, like, oh, actually, you know, like, I could be, like, a, a small government libertarian. I can have, you know, slightly different ideas, and these people won't cast me out. No one's coming to crucify me. So it's interesting to see our dynamics and demographics change a little bit based on the political landscape. Yeah, I have to agree. I'm always fascinated to see where they're actually coming from. Uh, and I uh, I can see that coming from ex-Republicans, just like I, I can't deal with the big government Republicans that dominate mm-hmm. that party in many aspects of this one. Do you think, as a libertarian, and I know that social issues are a major platform for the Libertarian Party and for libertarian-minded individuals, do you think the Republican stance, and I know I'm going to get crap on this one because we always love talking about this, but the stance on marijuana legalization is that going to be one of the Achilles heels, do you think, of the Republican Party as younger generations step up? I think it is, and it remains to be seen, again, how far Republican candidates are willing to go when they say that they want to decriminalize cannabis. But having it as a Schedule One drug when even OxyContin, basically heroin, it doesn't have the same restriction is pretty insane. And I think people are starting to wake up to the absurdity of that. Yeah. Amen. We got just about 30 seconds left here, Angela, but I want to wrap up. uh, Talk about and tease some of the candidates that we may be seeing in some of the states or areas that people may be listening on where we could see a libertarian candidate be jumping into the races soon. Sure. So Chase Oliver is a presidential candidate who either was or is about to attend the Iowa Fair uh, and engage in some debates, and that's really unprecedented. You've got Mike Termott making a, a splash in a lot of political events as well. He's from Virginia and an individual named Lars Mapstead. Those are just three of uh, many candidates that we've got, and we expect a a big-name professor, actually, to be announcing in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that interesting interesting little uh, nugget there. Yeah, a lot of good stuff coming. It's Angela McArdle. She's the chairwoman for the Libertarian National Party. You can check them out, lp.org. Angela, thank you so much for coming on the show. We'd love to get you back and chat again here real soon. Thanks so much. Hey, appreciate it. There it is. A lot more stuff coming up. It's a Friday. It's the Voice of Reason. Stay right here. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Darn right it is. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch or listen to the show. Thanks again to Angela McArdle. She is the chairwoman for the Libertarian National Party. Don't have the Libertarians on a whole lot. And as you know, it's a very interesting conversation to me because I'm curious as people walk away from the quote-unquote two-party system where they go. Now... That being said, as you know on this program, if you've listened to me in any way, shape, or form for an extended period of time, that I am vividly a party-over-person type of individual. And I know that's very um, cynical (laughs) for someone who's on the libertarian side. And as you know, with the conservative libertarian policies that we believe in on this program, I believe that instead of walking away from a party that does have the money, that does have the voice, that does have the power, that does have the influence, instead of walking away from that and being less able to get your agenda done... We need to find a way to bring them back, come back. And in order to do that, we have to be willing to accept them in, even with policies that we may not agree with. We also have to start transforming the Republican Party a little bit and tweaking certain things for us to be more appealing to those that are so limited, wicked, wild, free thinkers and limited government individuals and advocates that they are appealing to want to come to the Republican Party. 
because right now there are many out there within the Republican ranks that feel like that they get to do the same thing as Democrats, which is impose their big government power to influence and dictate based on their ideas as opposed to Democrat ideas. But it's essentially the same thing, which is imposing upon somebody else with their own vision of what should be done. And we did see that within the Republican debate on what was that Wednesday night this week? We did see that. Foreign policy is a great example. No longer should or is, I think, the Republican Party about trying to go out and start wars and be the savior of the world. Now, we have we are still the dominant country in this world, and we should still be the ones to try and aid others when they need it because we do have that responsibility, especially when it comes to our allies. But we should not be fighting the wars for them. We should not be spending billions upon billions upon billions of dollars for somebody else when we can't even spend it on our own people. We don't have our own house clean. How can we build somebody else's house for them when we can't do it ourselves? And then, of course, there are the social issues. There are the marijuana issues that are very conflicting within the Republican ranks. But if we're going to win over libertarians, limited-minded ones, and try and grow our ranks to kick out the establishment and overrun the establishment within the Republican Party. We have some work to do, and we have to start looking ourselves at how to evolve and grow that party. That's my humble opinion. You can agree or disagree however you want. Speaking of big government, did you see the news? Apparently this COVID thing's getting bigger than what we originally thought. Now, when I say bigger, I mean that they're trying to scare us more and get us back down that same road of the paranoia, of the lockdowns, of the masks. There was the story out of California where now the, what is it, Brown University? One of the universities out there ended up implementing mask mandates. We had the city of L.A. that has implemented mask mandates and social distancing all over again. We have Lionsgate, who makes movies in Hollywood and in in, in, uh, Los Angeles, who's also implemented mask mandates, daily COVID-19 testing, and social distancing again. Now we're seeing the state of Kentucky with public schools out there closing down in Kentucky because there are so many positive cases of COVID-19 again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is, uh, remember, this is allergy season. This is going into flu season. This is going into the beginning of the school year where kids are going to be wiping the snot upon themselves and coming home and licking crayons because that's just what little kids do as they continue to spread things all around. This is the time we're going to start seeing people get sick again And yet, this is the same time, coincidentally, we see an increase in COVID-19 cases across the nation. So when will the COVID-19 mandates hit your community? Stay tuned for more. And will you abide by them again? I think that's the bigger question. Will you actually go along with it? If they say, you know, we should probably make you start wearing masks again when you come to work. You know, we should probably start doing testing again. Every day when you come in, you know, we should probably have that isolated plastic barrier that you can peek around. So it's still floating through the air around it. But we're going to put that barrier there to pretend like we're actually going to protect ourselves because that makes all the sense in the world. (laughs) Yeah. Who's ready for that? I don't think anybody is. Jeff Elston right around the corner when we come back here on The Voice of Reason. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. 
This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, it is. Reason, common sense, rationale. That's what we're all about here on the program. Always great to have you along for the ride, especially for really on the home stretch here. Half hour left on the program already. Good golly, it flies right on by. And we'll continue to make that happen. So we have lockdowns starting to happen again with the COVID-19 pandemic. Be very scared. Be very scared. Kentucky shutting down some of their schools. California implementing mask mandates, social distancing again. When will it hit your community and will you be ready for round number two of the COVID-19 lockdowns? I Here's the thing. Here's the weird part. I haven't seen increasing cases. I haven't heard about the increase in deaths. I watch the news all day. I do news reports all day along with some of the other duties at the radio stations that I oversee as a program director and operations manager. But I don't see the headlines. And if there were massive amounts of deaths of COVID-19, again, the media would be covering it, wouldn't you think? But right now, the variant's out there. And again, I'm no doctor. We've talked with Dr. Robert Malone. We've talked with other doctors. We know that as uh, mutations happen with viruses, usually it's to try and survive which means it's more contagious but it's less deadly because they're splitting themselves apart and weakening themselves as they continue to mutate so this new variant coming out of canada maybe that's not the case but i would think that well it's probably going to follow the pattern as every other virus out there so i'm not sure why we're going down this road again except for maybe the testing the water to see how many people go along with it all over again as we get closer to another 2024 election let's shift gears a little bit here shall we What's trending today? So after the debates that we saw on Wednesday night, after the interview that Donald Trump did with Tucker Carlson, after the comments and the campaign that Joe Biden's doing, which, by the way, he's now launched his campaign with new radio and TV ads across the nation, trying to go after Republican states and Republican lawmakers that have passed some type of abortion control agenda. He's now running ads in those areas, attacking them for hating on women. This is, by the way, the same uh, people that say we're hating on women while they're trying to make men, actual women, to take over and dominate that industry. So that's kind of ironic as well. To talk about all of these current events and so much more, how far have we strayed from the Constitution and what will it take to get us back on track with that as well? Happy to have on the program. He's with the America's Policy Institute, which you can find online at ampolicy.com. Jeff Elston's on the line with us here. Jeff, how are you, my friend? I just couldn't be better. Thanks for asking. Yeah, it's so good to have you on the program. It is a... Wild, crazy, entertaining, yet scary time all at the same time right now, isn't it, with everything going on? Yeah, you know, wild and scary, I get. The entertaining part, I don't know so much about. <laughs> you know, I, I think that one might be a little bit of a stretch there because it is definitely wild and scary, though. It is. You it know, is. It's, it's like the debate stage. Did you watch the presidential debate a couple of nights ago? I did, yeah. Okay, so, you know, it's filled with men saying that they would close the Board of Education and other things. They would deploy troops into Mexico to literally, and they used the word kill, the cartels and stuff like that. And, you know, the everybody, for, and they talk about, they talk about this stuff like they are in control of it all, and they're not. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Congress, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 of the Constitution grants Congress the power to declare war, period. And the president derives the power to direct the military from Article 2, Section 2, which names him Commander-in-Chief of the Armed Forces, okay? So it's a combined effort, basically, is what it is. So, and then, And then if you throw in 
the War Powers Act of 1973, which was passed as a joint resolution, which which is the same as passing a bill. Okay, sure. it's it says that it's the War Powers Act of 1973 is designed to limit the president's power to commit U.S. troops to combat, and so. When these guys talk about, you know, sending troops into Mexico to kill cartel, they, they, they can't do that. They don't have the power to do that. And, and, and this is the you want to talk about a, a pandemic, OK, of epic proportions, the American people not knowing what's in the Constitution is probably the biggest pandemic of epic proportions that we have today. Uh, let, let me give you another example, okay? The Congressional Research Service, which is the top service in Washington, D.C. They are in and record every meeting of every committee and all that stuff. They even say that to be Speaker of the House, you do not have to be a member of Congress. And as a matter of fact, you don't even have to be an elected official. So, okay, so follow with me, all right? So if that means I could be Speaker of the House, or, or Andy, you could be Speaker of the House, or let me give you another scenario, Donald Trump could be Speaker of the House literally by tomorrow, sure. okay? Now then, if the, and, and okay, so when I make these kinds of comments that I'm getting ready to make, I understand that there's a lot of people in our government that are against the that are against the American people and that the whole thing's a mess, okay? But with all things being equal and everybody that doing their job as they're supposed to do, okay, we're going to assume a perfect world here for a minute, okay? If okay, so we have we have the speaker of the house, we can put anybody we want in there. All right? It, then if we impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and remove them from office for dereliction of duty, if nothing else, okay, and not fulfilling their oath of office to uphold the, the Constitution, then according to the Presidential Secession Act of 1947, if Congress and if Congress impeaches both Biden and Harris, Donald Trump would automatically become president. And that could actually happen by the end of next week. That's true. I mean, that's that is theoretically able. Now, here's the realistic question is, would that ever happen? Well, okay, so that's why we designed America's Policy Institute is because, okay, Congress is our representatives. And we have to understand that Congress has the power to do almost anything it wants inside the confines of the Constitution, okay? So, for example, if we want our, let's say we want the border, the, the remain in Mexico policies that Trump had in place, let's say we want those reinstated because we all know that Biden wiped those out with an executive order the first day in office, right? right. So here's what would have to happen is, is a bill be passed through the House and through the Senate that would reinstate the remain in Mexico policy that Trump had. When it is sent to the White House, and this is according to Article 1, uh, Section 7, Clause 2 of how a bill is made into law, okay? So, okay, so 
we write a bill that says reinstate the stay in Mexico, the remain in Mexico uh, policies that Trump had. It passes the House, it passes the Senate, and it goes to the House or it goes to the White House where the president either passes it or vetoes it, right? So he naturally would veto that because we know he doesn't want that in. Well, then that bill would come back to the Congress. And if Congress were to pass that bill by two-thirds of a vote in each house, it would automatically become law, and President Trump's remain in Mexico policies would automatically kick in. And that could all happen. That could all happen in, I say, a 10-day span because it has. if it sits on the president's desk for more than 10 days, then with him taking no action on it, then it automatically becomes law. Yeah. Okay? So it would have to happen in 10 days. So the point is, is Congress can shut, they could, they could reinstate Donald Trump's border policies to, with, right now. And then, and then the border policies would be reinstated and then these people could start doing their job and close that border down again. Yeah, it sounds nice. Now we have a slim majority of Republicans in the House of Representatives, which is difficult right, right now because we still have a section of Republicans right. that fight against our own agenda, unfortunately. Oh, and then we Absolutely. have, yeah, and that's a whole other conversation there. Then we have Democrats. We don't, they're, yeah, they're, they're yeah. all in it together. No, I mean, exactly. They're all in it together. So, you know, now here's the, here's, the, and, and so that's where the, that's where the problem comes, right? Is these people that are supposed to be representing us are not doing their jobs. Sure. That's, that's plain and simple. That's all this is, is they're not doing their jobs. Okay. So first of all, well, when they started the they, fourth branch of government with the bureaucratic state, they stopped doing their jobs. Right, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. You know, first of all, the things that I'm saying here about the Constitution, if I'm right, which I am right, I, I have I have thrown it out there many, many times, and I'll say it again. If you can prove me wrong, bring it on. Okay, show me where I'm wrong here. All right, but the thing about it is, is the people don't know, and so as the Congress is our representatives, they're supposed to be doing what we want. We all know we want the border shut down. We all know that we want. Biden out of office. We all know that we want the IRS closed down, which that can be done too. I can show you how to do that. All of that stuff can be done so easily. And and, and, and when I say easy, simply, because it's when you start reading and learning the Constitution, all this stuff becomes very simple to fix. Yeah. It's amazing how, how easy it could actually be. Here's the missing link, the people. Mm. If, if we would take, okay, so at America's Policy Institute, you can't see it because we're on the radio here, but we have what we call directives. And I have a directive laying right here on my desk in front of me that is the impeach Joe Biden and Kamala Harris directive and, and make Donald Trump Speaker of the House and do it right now. Sure. <laughs> okay, that's a directive that anybody can come to ampolicy.com and download that directive. And then also on our website, you can find all of your legislators' contact information, their email addresses, their websites, their phone numbers, their, their addresses of their offices in your district, where you belong. You can find all that information on our website, download these directives, and start firing them at your I like legislators. That. I like that. Hold it. Hold emails. Yeah. Every day because here's Do it. Hold on, Jeff. Hold on. I tell you, hold on the line. we got to take a hard break here, so we'll continue this when we come back. It's The Voice of Reason on a Friday. Stay this right here. Is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the program. We've got a few minutes left here of the show. Wrap it up for a Friday. By the way, make sure to tune in not only for this program every day, which we always love and thank you so much for, as we have way too much fun on this program, but also our syndicated weekend edition as well. All over the nation, we've got more stations jumping on each and every day. We always love you and appreciate you very much. You can check out all the information on the website at HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason.com. All of our social media with the same handle at Hoosier Reason. And, of course, our podcast, which you can find every day, The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier, on any of your favorite podcasting sites. We're hanging out with Jeff Elston. He's with America's Policy Institute, AMPolicy.com. And, Jeff, I have to ask you, when was the last time, do you think, in your mind, did we truly have a president or a leader or a government body as a whole that actually followed the limitations of the Constitution, did the jobs they were supposed to, and actually did things the right way. How long ago was that, do you think? Well, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to judge anybody, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what I, what, here's, what, here's what I do know, okay? When I stand here and watch a, a, a presidential debate, and every single one of those men up there, are, and, and a woman up there, are telling me what they're going to do if they're president. And almost everything that comes out of their mouth is unconstitutional and doesn't fit in the Constitution. It makes you wonder what what is going on in this country. Why, you know, even the moderators that were that were doing this, when they start talking about, you know, let's let's take the school board, for example, because that came up, all right? The president cannot shut down the school board. The, the House can defund the school board, and the, and the Congress can make a law to dismantle the school board, and then the president can enforce that law. Think about it. Think about the whole thing like this, all three branches of government. You have a road that has a 50-mile-an-hour speed limit on it, and you have a police officer policing that road, okay? The, 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 the lawmakers set the speed limit. The, the police officer enforces the speed limit. And if you're speeding down that road and you get a ticket doing 65 and a 50, then you go to court and you either pay the fine because you plead guilty or you fight it and say, I wasn't doing that. And you try to fight it. And then the court decides. That's really our government system in a nutshell. Congress makes the laws. They set the speed limit. The president is the policeman on the road enforcing the law. Yeah. And then the Supreme Court is the decision maker saying, yes, this is right or no, this is wrong. OK, that's really how our government is set up. So now let me give you a couple scenarios here. What if the police officer doesn't enforce the speed limit and a guy goes by at 65 and gets away with it? And another guy says, hey, that guy just went by at 65. I'm going to try 70. And pretty soon, 75 and 80. Next thing you know, you've got everybody doing 80 and 100 miles an hour on a 50 mile an hour speed road. Right. That's what we're seeing so, right now. OK, that's exactly what we're seeing right now on our, on our border. OK, yeah. now then let's let's change that scenario just a little bit. And let's say that that police officer nails everybody that's speeding and by golly, he's doing his job and they take their tickets in to pay him. And the and the judge says, ah, you don't have to pay that. Go on. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's going to happen? Then people are going to start telling the police that they're thumb their nose at him. And go out. Well, go ahead and write your stupid ticket. Nobody's going to make me pay it anyway. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's our government. That is how our, that's, that's really a simple breakdown of our government right there. 
Yeah, and it's so, true. The, the failures that are falling apart all across the board, yeah, Jeff. We got exactly. We, yeah, we got just about a minute left here, but I have to ask you the last question: Is with the candidates that are on the table right now, with Donald Trump included, even though he wasn't in that debate, who is the closest? Do you think in abiding or wanting to follow the constitutional laws that we have right now? Is there a candidate right now that is the closer than maybe some of the others? Yeah, Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Donald Trump is the Donald Trump is the man for the job, and and the and, and the reason that I say that is is because somebody okay there is a military industrial complex that's really running the whole show. That's why we're always in these wars, and we have got to get people in there strong enough to stand up against that. Yeah, there it is. So, Donald Trump, the man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I I, I just uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he can fix it all. Not only can he fix it all, I think he'd make a great president. I mean, the guy seems like a nice guy. Well, he <laughs> seems like a nice guy, and we already kind of saw uh, what he did before for the first term with the first four years, and he wants to go in and finish that agenda. We're out of time, my friend. I could talk to you a heck of a lot more. we got to get you back on. on Jeff Elston, America's yeah. Policy Institute. Find him online at ampolicy.com. Jeff, we appreciate the time, my friend. Let's do it again here real soon. Thank you very much, and I'd love to come back. Absolutely. We will get you back on again soon. Until then, podcast up in just a little bit here. Make sure to go and check that out. Make sure to tune us in for the weekend syndicated edition. We're back at it again on Monday as well. Until then, be your own voice of reason. Be that catalyst for change. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio. Have a great weekend.